Well, welcome back, everybody, to True Crime on Easy Street. We're back here live from Easy Street. My name is Katie Givens, and I am not a lawyer. My name is Scott Wright. I am a mediocre journalist. I'm Kelly Turner. I'm not a doctor. Uh, so, Katie, are they still... Um, are, I haven't looked outside onto the floor here at Easy Street Bar and Performance Hall, where we, we are located right now. Are they still cleaning up from Saturday? You know, I think that they handled all of that this morning, hopefully. I know that a good time was had on Saturday at Easy Street Restaurant Bar and Performance Hall. It was the first ever uh, theater center Christmas cabaret uh, that Easy Street and the Chamber of Commerce and the local motorcycle group, the regulators, and a bunch of other people, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, got together and put on. It was a fantastic show, sold the place out, mm-hmm. ran out of everything, Actually, but in a good yeah, way. Yeah, it was a theater center fundraiser, which exactly. they, they partnered with Easy Street, so it was, mm-hmm. it was Easy Street. Yeah, we just hosted, but yes, yeah. Easy Street fundraiser was kind for the, enough, but theater center established the you know food was it, good. It was the so crowd fantastic. was amazing. The, Easy the, Street was such a such a great uh, partner in that. And, I've heard so many good things. But, I, I'm I'm interrupting because I'm okay. I'm on the board of theater center, ah. and so I've heard all of the wonderfulness, okay. and so I just had to make sure that I I say that I'm not trying to like brag. Ooh, I'm on and the board. listen, the crowd of people who showed up about twenty people who showed up to. Participate participate in the event on stage all local talent mm-hmm. amazing amazing talent. everybody was flabbergasted Blair Perry went first and she was amazing and it just it, it kept going mm-hmm. for two hours and 20 minutes after that I can't believe that it was so amazing uh, and I was not there yeah I know not I, because I, I was going to mention that not because I disliked the theater but uh-huh. I already made made plans it's my anniversary weekend <clears throat> and um so kt and i were out of town however i was getting all kinds of videos mm. from there and so we text so we ruined your fantastic it was we were in your anniversary no, 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 you didn't ruin it we were oh. talking about it over dinner so we were enjoying it okay. along with you and uh i have to say scott wore some fantastic outfits he did have several outfit changes i, I guess did, well, did you the, have a did you have a wardrobe i for lack of a better phrase, I suppose that's what it was. I was the master of ceremonies on Saturday night. Uh, Jerry Baker had laryngitis, so they got me to do it. <laughs> no, um, actually, technically, mm-hmm. I was supposed to MC it. Ah, no, well, I knew it wasn't lie. supposed to be me. No, no, no. You, I told them when they they went, they said we're going to ask Scott. I said perfect. Really, I absolutely did. Well, you said perfect. You saved that one for the end because no, I did, did not know that. You did a great job, well, and you looked gorgeous. Well, you know, with your flashy red coat. Yes, that was a uh, that was a long first from, of three coats all night. Here. So, yeah. what? Tell me about the coats. I want to know about. The, I saw the flashy red one. The flashy really red bright. one was one that I borrowed from Shane Givens, one of the owners at Easy Street. It was the coat that he wore when Theater Center performed Million Dollar Quartet. I think maybe in twenty eighteen. Oh, yeah, that was a, a, a great gr- performance. Yes, a fantastic thing. Uh, and then I had another one that I, uh, a couple that I bought for myself just for the show. One was a, uh, a green sports jacket that had, you know, Christmas stuff on it. And then the, uh, the red jacket that I wore was also a Christmas themed jacket and it lit up if I remembered to push the damn button, but I forgot. <laughs> you can rewear one of those Saturday for the ugly sweater party. Sold. I will. Oh. Yeah, and I will remember to push the button <laughs> on Saturday. To push the button. Yes, I will. <laughs> Speaking of Christmas, 
Uh, there are Christmas gifts on the table today. Do we I want know. to open these live on the air, Katie? Yeah, it's, it's your it's call. Christmas morning. Sure. I, I, I hope that's not underwhelming. Now these are these are from Katie. <laughs> well, wow. Well, she really downplayed that. Scott, before we ever got the the paper off. Scott and Kelly beat me to it. We you had hear this paper rattling. I'm opening yeah. my present. Yeah, same. Here. They brought presents before. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. So Scott actually got us all merch. He the did. first merch. The first merch. Did was there any doubt that it was going to be me, the guy who works in the same building where a screen printing business is located? That I was going to be the guy who finally just bit the bullet and got us some t-shirts. Right, but yeah. the good news is we saw how great our logo looked on the front of a shirt, mm-hmm. and now it gave us lots of ideas for the back of a shirt. Good lord, Scott, oh, what is no. that? Oh yeah, there's more Tito's. inside. So part of Katie's gift—that's vodka. Is there's some vodka in there. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I got. What did you get? Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I bet it's not vodka. Oh, I got some. Oh, makers, you got makers. Uh huh. And look how cute that is. Yeah, even when they do the little small bottles, I love they still it. melt the wax over the top to seal it. That's is it okay amazing. to pour that in coffee? If I just want to like, I would recommend that, that you do it. If you don't want the rest of that cup of coffee, I will take it. But uh, <laughs> Mr. Tito and I will overtake okay. it and do our so, own but thing. We with also it. have what else is in this? Oh yeah, a little. Oh, it's a, a little, it's a it's a highball glass with a with a snap on top so that you can mm-hmm. not spill it when you drive illegally with it in your car. <laughs> oh, oh. Not that I would do that, but but but, but Kelly might. But no, um, no, she has kids. She would on never Easy do that. Street, we frown upon drinking and driving. Absolutely, never yeah. do that. Um, but mine is very glittery and white, and it's perfect, and I love it so. And mine looks like the walls of my room when I was a teenager, because we had paneling <laughs> on the walls when I was a kid, and it reminds me, and that's in a good way. I'm not complaining at all. I, I love this. I love it. Thank I you do. so much, Katie. Well, thank, thank you, Katie. Hey. And Kelly, last week, she, uh, she brought gifts, and yeah. she got Scott some... Was it old-fashioned mix? Yeah, it was like a mix. It's like a fancy old-fashioned mix. So I'm told it's supposed to be really good and really fancy. All I Scott need, and it. your your husband, Kevin, who is... Uh uh, who just turned 50 years old, God love him, he uh, is a, he is a, uh, a bourbon aficionado. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that you, I, I, I'm guessing that you got some uh, help from him on that because all you have to do is use this mix and pour it in with some bourbon yeah. and you have an old fashioned. Yes. And, and maybe a piece of ice. Scott, I know that mostly you drink vodka now that is, that, nowadays. That, that is true. That's a saying here in the South. Uh, that is true this day. Um, but I know that historically you like old fashioned. That is very Sorry, true. I keep messing with my cup. No, no, that's okay. Noise. Yeah. When I travel somewhere and I've, I've told Katie about this before, when I travel somewhere, you know, up North or out West or wherever on the occasion when I get a chance to travel, I always like to go. I always ask the, the guy, the maitre d' or the, uh, concierge at the hotel, where would I go? Where's a good local bar to go and hang out? Mm-hmm. And when he tells me where that is, if it's in walking distance or a short cab ride, I go there. And the first thing that I do is order an old fashioned because it's amazing. It's, it's a pretty standard recipe, but you can go to different parts of the country and get a different old fashioned almost everywhere. It tastes basically the same, but a lot of different bartenders do it a lot of different ways. There's no wrong way to do it. What's your favorite that you've ever had anywhere? Um, at the, uh, oh my God, you're going to make me uh-huh. tell you this I story. Am. You knew I was going to ask. It was in a hotel in Chicago where, and I, the name escapes me. Maybe it will come to me in a moment, but it was a hotel where, uh, Al Capone used to hang out in the late twenties and early thirties. And it still has red velvet drapes on the wall. I think the, ho- the hotel is called the Drake hotel. If I remember correctly. It's right over on the. Uh, it's right over by the uh, by the lake, 
And uh, we went in there one night, my friend and I, and ordered an old fashioned. And it was, it there was a piece of glass, a piece of ice, uh, about as big as a golf ball, in the middle of the glass. And the glass was about one third of the way full. And that is the way that they make an old fashioned. There's ten different ways to make one, but that maybe was my favorite. And that was the best. Yes. Yeah. All tasted the same. All had the same result. (laughs) <laughs> that I barely remembered. So I'm amazed that I remembered to answer yes. that question. And so Katie loves coffee. Yes. Coffee, she has said, is her love language. Mm-hmm. So I got her some fancy holiday blend coffee. Yes. Which holiday blend coffee is my favorite. Any kind of peppermint, anything. I'm okay. told it's good. Right. I need to know if it's not. Yes. Because I will call the store and be very upset with them. And I have right. saved it. I should have just had some just so I could report back. But I like... I like to save things. Is that what you're drinking now? No, no, no. This is just office Folgers. Office coffee. <laughs> just, just the crap we yeah, serve. And you know, I also have a bottle of, of Cabernet here. I feel so fancy today. This is um, a gift for uh, from Katie for KT's birthday dinner tonight. Ah, yes. uh, See, I thought that might have been what that mm-hmm. was. And right. so... Well, he won't drink it, so you get the whole bottle. I think KT drinks red wine, right? We, red wine. We've oh, had this conversation oh, yeah. before. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, it, I might give him a little... I'll give him a glass of wine <laughs> on his birthday. Whatever. Wait till the end. Okay. <laughs> so, thank you. This looks delicious. Yeah, and fantastic. Scott, thank you. Scott, you're skipping over one very important gift that KT has also given you. <sighs> Yeah, the only reason that I can hear anybody today is because uh, Katie finally got me a, not finally, Katie got me a nice (laughs) set of headphones, which I have needed for a long time because mine were coming apart and got lost half the time and didn't work the other half of the time. So thank you very much, ma'am, for this great set of headphones. Mm -hmm, We do. Except mine are pink. It's the same brand, but yours are pink. Yeah, mine are gray. Awesome, I love it. It was only a matter of time before we got our shit together on this show. Right? <laughs> now we have to get the merch going because we've already teased mm-hmm. the, the merch. I've already given away live t-shirts. Show. We gave some away at the yeah, live we, show. We have, yes. But we told everybody this is a prototype. We, there will be more t-shirts. Yeah. We're shooting for Valentine's Day. Get the one you love at True Crime on Easy Street. Shirt. I think that's a great marketing plan. Nothing says love like true crime on Easy Street. I, will, I mean, I will hold romantic. my nose and start making pink themed uh, advertisements <laughs> on our Facebook page as soon as possible. But I will be doing it with one hand because I will be holding my nose. <laughs> All right, so so look for those coming soon for merch. Yeah. I don't know what other kind of merch we're going to have. We love saying the word merch I a lot more that. than we love creating merch. That's true. Yes. That's but true. let's try and turn over. Let's let that be our New Year's resolution. It is. Next year, actual merch. Our goal is Valentine's Day 2022. Yeah. Because the more t-shirts you guys buy, the less work we have to do at our normal jobs. Mm-hmm. And if you buy enough, we can just do this all of the time. Let's be real modern and say like Valentine's Day 2022, Tico's merch. Coming soon. Tico. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Are we just going to make a taco our logo since it's so true crime on Easy Street? T-C-O-E-S. No, we're not going to make a taco. No, we're going to have a taco like with a badge on it or wrapped in police tape. No one here makes tacos and no one here has a badge. I didn't say that it made any sense. I asked you if you wanted me to do it. No. (laughs) Quick answer, no. Okay. (laughs) Moving along. All right. So... Scott. Yes. Are we setting the table today? 
<clears throat> I would love to if you would let me. And and I was telling the guys before we went on the air tonight that, um, you know, how the at the end of the year, and here we are on December the 13th of 2021, and a lot of news... This or, drops on December 15th. Here we are on December the 15th, 2021, uh, and a lot of news organizations, as we get towards the end of the year, they highlight the people that we have lost, the celebrities, the big names that have that are no longer with us. Uh, just sort of a standard thing that happens at the end of every year. And so since uh, Kelly told me yesterday that this story that she's going to talk about tonight, and I know nothing about what you're going to say as soon as I'm finished, so, but it happens in 2009. And so I didn't know this when I started. I started digging around and, and trying to find things so I could do a set the table segment. And what I found was that a lot of uh, familiar names to me and maybe to you guys as well and some of our listeners passed away in. 2009. So I thought I would approach it from that angle. And if I go on too long, Katie will just cut me off uh, before she uploads the episode and nobody will know anything different. There you go. So on February the 28th of 2009, one of my favorite heroes from the broadcast world, Paul Harvey, passed away. Um, he did his news and comment. Did you guys know who I'm talking about? Yes. Right? I mean, I... No. I made sure that I was in front of a radio back when that was the only way to listen to Paul Harvey when I was a child at noon every single day of the week in the summer times when I was staying with my grandparents. I had to listen to Paul Harvey news and comment every day. I loved it. And then in the afternoon, he did his famous rest of the story segment. Anyway, a longtime broadcaster died at, I think, age 86 on February uh, 28th of 2009. Um, Kelly, you're going to like this one. Or you're not going to like it, but it is what it is. B. Arthur passed away on April the 25th of 2009. She served as a Marine in World War II. She attended the School of Drama at the New School in New York City. And I have a very good friend who spent a year at the New School, uh, Chloe Mackey. Uh, she was 86 years old when she died at her home in Brentwood, California of lung cancer. B. Arthur was a Marine. Yes. Wow. I did now, not know I, that. I don't think that she jumped out of airplanes or stormed the beaches at Iwo Jima, but she served in she served her country as a Marine. I mean in World War II. Wouldn't that have been like a nurse at that point in time? Uh, I think she actually served in, in an office. In an office, I okay. I think she was in charge of have you ever seen Maud? She was in charge of something, I'll guarantee <laughs> <Yeah>. you that. <laughs> yes, she was. That's <laughs> she, fantastic. Yeah, she wasn't taking orders from anybody. That colonel took orders from her. Uh, Dom DeLuise on May the 4th of 2009, one of my favorite comedic actors of all times. He worked with Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder, and of course, Burt Reynolds in the Cannonball Run movies, uh, died of kidney failure uh, at age 75. Here's one that you're not going to know, but give me a second. A lady named Milvina Dean died on May the 31st of 2000, uh, 2009, the last survivor of the Titanic. Oh, wow. She was two months old and the youngest passenger on the Titanic when it left England, headed towards New York, a trip that it would never complete. And when the Titanic sunk on April the 14th, 1912, she, her mother, and her older brother survived. Her father did not, but she passed away on May the 31st, Memorial Day of 2009, the oldest and last survivor of the Titanic. Wow. I know, right? Hey, this is what I do. I love this. Uh, Ed McMahon died on June the 23rd. He was Johnny Carson's sidekick on The Tonight Show for 30 years. 
He just missed being a Marine, uh, a Marine pilot in World War II, just about the time he got certified. Uh, the, the war ended. But he flew over 80 combat missions in Korea, passed away in his sleep at Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center, no cause listed. I think he had a, a lot of ailments, and they didn't really know exactly what he died from. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in 2009. Uh, FYI, Johnny Carson passed away 15 years earlier in 1994, if you're curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jackson... Died on June the 25th of 2009. We all know that his doctor was involved in that. Also at Reagan UCLA Medical Center. I was at cheer camp when Michael Jackson passed away and we were putting together our song for competition and we they were like, well, we have to add Michael Jackson in because Uh, we were all, like it all came to our phones when he passed away. Right. And sadly, and it's as a child of the 70s, this one, uh, I didn't realize that this happened. On the same day that Michael Jackson died, Farrah Fawcett passed away oh. and is buried next to Rodney Dangerfield uh, in the funeral home in California where she was laid to rest. But everybody in my generation had a poster of Farrah Fawcett hanging somewhere, <laughs> maybe where mom and dad couldn't see it, but we all had one. Mm. <laughs> um, but she died on June the 25th of 2009. And another of my heroes in the broadcast industry, the most trusted man in America, Walter Cronkite. Died on July the 17th, 2009. If you know anything about broadcast news in this country or you've ever watched a documentary at all, you've seen his face. You've heard him uh, describe the Kennedy assassination, the war in Vietnam, the NASA space program, Watergate. Uh, he died at his home uh, in New York at age 92. Um, has anybody seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes. 16 Candles, Uncle Several Buck, times. Home Alone, Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, Mr. Mom. National Lampoon's Vacation or National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? I've seen them all multiple. Then you Maybe know the man. Few. Then you know the man who made those movies. His name was John Hughes. And on August the sixth of two thousand and nine, at age fifty nine, while on a walk from his home just around the neighborhood, oh. dropped dead from a massive heart attack. Oh, yeah. Um, the next month, Patrick Swayze. Oh my gosh! Immortalized on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in nineteen ninety seven, died of pancreatic cancer at age mm-hmm. fifty seven. In 2009. I love him so. Um, Here's one for, I've got two left. Here's one for all of you professional wrestling fans out there. Captain Lou Albano. Your husband knows who that is if you don't. I know who that is. Both of your husbands know who that is if you don't. I know exactly who that is. Uh, He was a former pro wrestler and a ringside manager during the heyday of the, the late uh, the mid to late 80s and 90s of the World he Wrestling was, Federation. He was there with Hulk Hogan. Yes, all and of those Andre guys. Andre the Giant. He had those uh, rubber band facial piercings uh-huh. that yes. he was so proud of. And uh, he was, of course, played the father in Cindy Lauper's video, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, if you remember that. <laughs> um, he was in hospice care when he died in Westchester County, New York, at age 76 on October the 14th of 2009. And lastly, uh, on December the 20th, Brittany Murphy. Mm, very young. The young actress at the yes. time. She was born in Atlanta. I didn't know that until today in 1977. Her breakthrough role, of course, was in the 1995 film Clueless with Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also in Eight Mile, riding in cars with boys. She voiced the character of Lou Ann on King of the Hill for 12 years before she passed. She died of a lethal overdose of legal medication while self medicating herself for what turned out to be pneumonia. She was. Uh, determined to have had when she passed away. Yeah, they just did a big documentary on her. I haven't seen it, but I would like her to. her death is very mysterious. Yeah, still there's some mm. confusion, but um, yeah. So, um, oh, and then uh, one other thing, uh, Avatar, the highest grossing film of all time, 
dropped on December the 18th mm-hmm. of 2009. And I haven't seen, I, I think that's still the highest grossing film worldwide. Mm-hmm. Love of all it's, time. A, it's a great movie. I do movie. too. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember that I really loved it when I saw it. It's a great movie. It is an even better ride at Disney World. Is it really? It's all it is. virtual reality. Okay. Oh my gosh. That awesome. sounds interesting. I think there's a, a sequel coming out uh, in the next yeah. year or so. Anyway, that's all that I have. That is uh, a, a unique way or a different way for us to set the table tonight. Sorry about all the death and destruction that I discussed, but uh, it just but seemed nice like the right remember, thing to do. It's nice to remember all of these yeah. people. You know, they were special and, and they, they did special things. And, and so they, that's, I like that. They affected all of our lives uh, in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And now it is time for you to affect my life by enlightening <laughs> me with something I know nothing about. So, okay. Well, buckle up because we today we are going to talk about the Geneva County massacre that occurred in Geneva County, Alabama. Speaking of death and destruction. Yes. We're going to talk about several people, but the first person that we're going to talk about today is Michael Kenneth McClendon. He was born September the 19th, 1980, in the small town of Kinston, Alabama. At the time, it had a population of about, at the time of this crime, it had a population of about 540 people. 540. Okay. Today, well, I, I looked up today. The, the earliest data that they have is 2019. In 2019, they claim that there are 741 people in Kinston. So the population has grown by 201 since mm-hmm. the crime took place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So this is a very small area, but we're going to talk about several little small areas of Geneva County. So he's born to David and Lisa McClendon. At some point in time, his parents divorced. I really, they divorced. I could not figure out exactly when that was in my research. Okay. But at some point in time, they divorced, and he's going to largely be raised by his aunt and his uncle, Phyllis and James White. Now, James is his mother, Lisa's brother. Okay. So that's, that's how he's related to them. They live in Samson, Alabama. Samson is also a small town. At the time of this crime, there was about 2,000 people that lived there. In 2019, quick Google search, uh, the population has decreased to about 1,686 oh 1, people. So it's kind of gone down a little bit. Mm-hmm. He attended local schools there. By all accounts, he was an A student. He was known for being kind of quiet and uh, graduated in 1999. No, no, nothing, no issues in school, nothing. Nothing abnormal so yep, far. Just was a little quiet. All right. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so after all of this, he's, he's not married. He's, you know, he's still single. I can't find really any accounts that he dated around or anything like that, but he lived with his mother at her home in Kinston. So he's 28 years old in 2009 at the time of all of these crimes because he graduates in 1999. So he's still kind of young. Mm -hmm. Um, So he has jobs, but he won't keep them for very long for whatever reason. All right. So he worked um, briefly with the police department in Samson but failed to complete the basic training at the State Academy. He lasted about a week and a half. Ooh. Now, according to 
Lieutenant Stacy Smith, who is the retired Marine police officer. And our first ever guest on this podcast. First ever guest we had here. That training is now 12 weeks long. And how much, how long was it? He lasted a week and a half. Okay. Now, Lieutenant Smith was in the last class that had the seven-week training Mm -hmm. in 1993. Okay. Okay. But they changed that right after. And so it's 12 weeks. So he was supposed to do 12 weeks, but he made it a week and a half. Now, as I was researching this and, and, and talking with her about it, I said, Our, the person that we're discussing this week only lasted a week and a half, and she said, I've seen worse. Okay. <laughs> all right. So because she, she endured all of that training as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. She did. I got you. So, okay. He worked at the Reliable Products Warehouse in Geneva, where he was asked to leave in 2003. I don't know why he was asked to leave, but he was. He and his mother worked at Pilgrim Foods, which is a poultry plant. And the two of them, as well as other workers, were suspended in 2006. And they, the workers were getting together and they were trying to file a suit against the poultry plant. Okay. In my research that I can find about the reasoning that they were suspended... Uh, what I one of the articles that I read stated that his mother had misstated time on her timesheet. I got you, and was suspended, but was going to return back to work um, March the seventeenth. So she was she was suspended. She was coming back, but she was supposed to be coming. Well, back. maybe a first offense. I don't know exactly how it works. Probably but just a we're going to write you up. You get a week off. Something. Don't do it again. But the a lot of the lawsuit from from what I could look at was a, a lot to do about um, benefits and and things like that. So there was there was a lot of things going okay. on that they there were just several workers there that were unhappy at the poultry plant. I don't know how that ended up, and I don't know anything about the poultry plant. I'm just sort of reporting that issue going on in his life as well. Um, He then went and worked for Kelly Foods, which is a sausage factory, but he quit on Wednesday, March the 4th, 2009. Now, the supervisors there said he was a team leader and he was well-liked. So if you remember, I just said he quits this job. He's not Mm -hmm. asked to leave. He's not suspended. He's not laid off, anything like that. He just up and quits on March the 4th, 2009. This would otherwise be insignificant if on Tuesday, March the 10th, 2009, he didn't go on the deadliest mass shooting spree in Alabama history. Agreed. So beginning, and and I will walk you through a timeline. What I want to do is hit the high points and then walk everybody back through the detailed timeline. All right. Okay. Okay. So around 3.30 on March the 10th, 2009, he starts his attacks. He starts with his mother. He shoots his mother, shoots and kills her, and shoots and kills the dogs. Oh. Unfortunately, yeah, we, we, have, ha- we have terrible luck with dogs on this show. I know. I, I read one article that said there were three dogs there. I read another article that said there were four. So three or four dogs. He then positions his mother on the L-shaped couch, piles some things on top of her, and sets the house on fire. He drove to his uncle's house in Samson. So now remember, he lived with his mother in Kinston, which okay. is near Samson. Mm-hmm. 
He then drives to Samson after he does this to his uncle's house. There, he shoots his uncle, two cousins, a neighbor, the neighbor's infant daughter, all of whom were sitting on the porch. Um, He shoots um, the neighbor's um, toddler. There's two children that were victims in this. Um, He then went next door, shot his maternal grandmother. He then got into his Mitsubishi Eclipse and started shooting at people from his car. He shot and killed 43-year-old Sonia Smith, a gas station attendant. He next shot and killed Bruce Malloy, a 51-year-old motorist who drove past him. He killed 24-year-old James Starling. Uh, McClendon shot him in the back as he tried to get away. He shot and wounded four other people trying to escape his attack. He drove along Highway 52 toward Geneva, continuing to shoot from his car and eventually leading the police on a 24-mile chase. He shot at several vehicles on the highway. He shot at a Walmart. He shot at a Piggly Wiggly. He's just shooting. Driving. Okay. Do you guys know what a Mitsubishi Eclipse? Is? I used to have one. I, I used exactly. to have one. To his, oh, what? Another thing, Katie and I have in common. We both had Mitsubishi Eclipses in our lives. Okay, so he's driving this this Eclipse, tiny car, a little small car. Yeah, and and shooting. He has a shotgun. I was going to ask mm-hmm. what sort of weapon he had well, because he, I was just has, assuming it was a pistol of has, some sort. He has several weapons. Okay. Um. But, and he uses all of them at some point. Okay. Um, so at this point in time, he's driving through town shooting at people. So law enforcement, they're going to obviously start chasing him. And what they're going to try is they're going to try a pit maneuver. And yeah. those of mm-hmm. you who are familiar with this know what this is. I, I looked this up so that I could, I, I, I knew what it was, but I wanted to be able yeah. to explain it. You've seen an episode of Cops. You've seen this. I didn't want to just water it down or mm-hmm. whatever. But anyways, it's it's a maneuver. It, um, it's what they didn't do to OJ. <laughs> they they just let OJ and, they just followed and, him and Al Cowling drive forever and ever and ever. But. Yes. So the pit maneuver pursuit intervention technique is a pursuit tactic uh, by which a pursuing car can force a fleeing car to turn sideways abruptly, causing the driver to lose control and stop. Yeah, in NASCAR racing, we call that the chrome horn. That and is usually perpetrated on the last lap to knock the leader out of the race so that you can win instead of them. Yes, it is adapted from the bump and run technique used in stock car racing. Bingo. Yeah, so they actually got this from stock car racing. From Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt Sr. So they're going to try to drive up onto the little eclipse and kind of bump the back of it, turning him sideways and getting him to lose control. Now, they only use this when necessary. And the fact that he's driving through a town shooting, I would say it's necessary Sounds at this point. very necessary. Yes. So uh, Geneva Police Chief Frankie Lindsay is going to try to do this, and he's going to get shot in the arm. Uh, while he's doing this. So it, it is unsuccessful. So he has shot at someone behind him. Yes, he's with just this shooting. Shotgun. Yes, yes. Um, there was another police car that had seven 
bullet holes in it. He's shooting at them. He pulls into the reliable building products where he had worked in 2003 and was asked to leave and engages the police in a shootout for about 30 minutes. Shooting back and forth, he goes into the building and then about somewhere between 4.17 and 4.30 p.m. So remember this started around 3.30. Somewhere between 4.17 and 4.30 p.m., they find him dead in that building. At first, they weren't sure exactly what had happened because, you know, when you're... Like if they had shot him or if he'd shot himself. Right. They uh, then eventually determined that he shot himself. It was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He was found to have been armed with a Soviet-made SKS and a Bushmaster. He also had at least one thirty-eight caliber pistol. Um, he fired more than 200 rounds. They found dozens of ammunition boxes in his car, and they were convinced that he was planning to continue this spree based on... Based on his stockpile? Exactly. Based on everything that he had. So, yeah, either until they killed him or until he ran out of bullets. Yes. So what... Why? What happened? Yeah. What would make this person do this? So as they're trying to investigate everything that's happening and they're trying to get some sense as of what's going on in this situation, some of the witnesses say that McClendon was disturbed by his parents' divorce years ago. That's why I tried to find the exact date they divorced and I couldn't really find anything that could could tell me that but some people said he was he was upset about that he was depressed about his future because he had tried of course to go into law enforcement didn't make it a week and a half into basic training he also failed to qualify for the US Marines you mentioned the Marines earlier um maybe he, maybe both of those are blessings uh, yeah that he didn't make cop or marine. Who can you, oh goodness, that's so terrifying. Um, he had recently complained that his mother was not getting enough support from her family. At the time of the shooting, officials really didn't know where his father was. But when they finally talked with his father, his father said that this was not like him. He was not a violent kid. He was a good kid. I could never get a sense of exactly what that relationship was like between father and son. I don't know if it would seem that he didn't have a a too close relationship with him because the father's not in the picture and he's living with his mom and they're divorced. Now that's just speculation. I'm not for sure. I don't know. They may have spoken on the phone every day. I don't know, but the father says this is not like his son. To do this, by by most accounts, people were shocked and surprised that he had done this. Um, based on looking at the different articles and the different people that the detectives are going to talk to, so <clears throat> he's complained about his mother. He's uh, not getting enough support from her family. He's upset about his future. He can't get a career going and what he wants to do. How old is he when this happens? Twenty eight years old. Okay. So, so he's not like he's 17 and still trying to figure out what his right. career is going to be. He is older. He spent 10 years trying to figure out what his career is going to yes. be, and he has, he's spinning his wheels the whole time. Yes. Gotcha. He's not staying in a job yeah. very long and had some disappointment 
And um, rule of thumb, you should have it figured out by the time you're 28. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously. Well, I mean, if you're I still guess in, if I, you're still flopping around at 28, I don't know. I mean, I'm 28. I you got you got your shit together. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm, I'm very top A. I don't. I True. think I think that it's fine. <laughs> I think he I, he obviously it obviously wasn't going his way. I think society tells us at 28 you should have your stuff figured out. So that probably didn't help mm-hmm. him any. Um, I think Shane was 28 when he decided to go back to school. I think you're right. He was yeah he he was a he was a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. And he's doing pretty well these days. Yeah, I think it it really depends on the person too. I mean, people go into careers for a while and then in their 40s and 50s decide they want to go back to school and and completely change the course of what they're doing. Um, when I used to teach um, at the college, uh, I would always have students like that who, yeah. for whatever reason, went to work right out of school and didn't get a college education and then decided, hey, I want to go do this for myself. And they were back in college. I always admired them because once I was finished with college, I was finished. Same. Yeah. <sighs> So, um, I guess, and, and obviously he felt like he should have something worked out because he's upset about that. Yeah. And the argument with the family, he's, he's having an argument. He says they're not supporting his mother, but there was also a letter that they found at the home that he was trying to retrieve a Bible from family members that he felt like belonged to him and his mother. I don't know what was in this Bible. I don't know what the significance of this Bible was, but they, they found a list of lawyers in his possessions. It would seem that he was willing to, or looking into actually taking them to court over some of this. And also with the poultry company you know they were they were looking to go and file a lawsuit so he had a list of lawyers in his possession however the detectives did not get a sense that the list of lawyers was a hit list it was a list of yeah this is who i want to contact to get the things that i want yeah he's made some he hasn't made he hasn't been angered by attorneys yet no. in his life. He's only been angered by members of his family. And other people. They they did find yeah. a list among his possessions that had, um, it was a handwritten list, identified several people from previous jobs with notations about their actions or comments against him. Uh, people who had either disciplined him or reported him to supervisors for work-related infractions. So However, he's got one of those... It's me against the world mentality. They first come out and, and it gets um, portrayed as he had a hit list yeah. kind of thing. He obviously had a list of people who had wronged him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always, I'm not, I'm not laughing at this, but I go back to, do you guys remember the Adam Sandler movie where he calls the Steve Buscemi character and he tells him he's sorry for being so mean to him in school? And then when he gets off the phone, yeah. Steve Buscemi backs up and marks his name off. A, it's obviously yeah. got a list yes. on the one. It's, it's right. a really funny, this yeah. is not funny, but it, it always reminds me when you, when you talk about a list of that moment and how Adam well, Sandler and Steve Buscemi are so funny. But Sadly, there are people who 
This happens. This yeah. is real. And and this, this is happens. obviously real. However, the Alabama Bureau of Investigation noted that really none of the people on this list were among the ones that he killed. But the local police were saying there was so much ammunition still left in that vehicle and he had those guns and everything with him. He was prepared to continue with I mean, this. I, I suppose for all we know, he called those, let's just say there was a list of four attorneys in his pocket or in his briefcase or in his glove box. Maybe he had already called all four of them and they'd all said, we don't want to take your case. And so for that reason, maybe the local police department was concerned. On the other hand, maybe he hadn't made any phone calls yet and it was just a list of, hey, here's the people I'm going to call when I get ready to sue the chicken plant or Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, possibly. Okay. Um, But the detectives really felt like he was going to just continue shooting. He would, he they think that it is very possible that he would have eventually gone to the people's homes that were on this list from where he previously worked and and that he would have attacked them. Now, there's obviously no way that we're going to know this. Yeah. But he's keeping tabs on these people. He's he's um, written notations about things that they've done to him. He's obviously continuing to... If you're making this list... I, I would assume he revisits it and sort of like stews in how he's been wrong. Well, I mean, does this list include notations about where they stop for coffee in the morning or, it's you know, where they, lo- how they fill their car with him. gas? Okay. It's how they right. wronged him. Because then it might sound very nefarious. Yeah, like, I would say, I know that yes. this guy gets coffee every morning at the mm-hmm. local restaurant. And I said that he was keeping tabs on them and that, that may have led you to kind of think okay. that. All right. There's really nothing in here that he was following them around or stalking them. Okay. But he was, uh, he had jotted down how they had wronged him and he was very much, you know, swirling that around every day. I told you that. I didn't do any research today, so I'm just following. No, no, no. No, but I did say he was keeping tabs. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was a bad way to phrase it, but he, he was keeping up and keeping it fresh in his mind how they wronged him. I got you. So um, there were, he had some notations in the list um, from this plant that forced him to resign. Um, So he was not happy with them Mm -hmm. at all. And that's where he ended up in the final shootout. He was headed that way. He was headed that way um, with the police and then ended up uh, taking his own life to end this shooting rampage. Um, so there were also people on the list from the sausage factory where he had abruptly quit and people who had worked at the poultry plant, particularly the people that suspended his mother. So he was very upset, but now he just quit the sausage factory. I'm not sure who he was mad at there. And to hear them comment, they weren't very sure either because they liked him. They said he was a team player and he was liked at the Kelly Foods. So that there was some confusion about that and we'll never know because, you know, unfortunately he, he's no longer with us and so are a lot of other people because of this. Um, so they found a letter that he had written uh, that stated he planned to kill his mother and then planned to kill himself. Uh, the, the letter also noted that he was having a dispute over a legal issue with his, with his mother's family because they had a Bible that he wanted. Again, back with the Bible. He said that he and his mother had, quote, suffered enough. So here's an excerpt from that letter. Mama was very sick, had lung cancer, I think. So I put her out of her misery. Mm, I wondered about that. 
I'm sorry, but mama had suffered enough, and so have I. Some of the people who made us suffer will pay. Okay, so he thought he was doing because I wondered about that. If he, if he, if this, if he this, seems so protective of mom. Yes. Yeah, that was confusing but me. She too. was the first victim, so he thinks he's he's playing God now. He's doing her a favor by putting her out of her misery. Yes, and since you made me have to do that, I'm going to come get all of you as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've suffered enough. So he was described as very familiar with guns. The investigators, again, like I said, they found dozens of ammunition boxes in his car, and they found military and survival gear and medical supplies at his home. So So he was going to do an Eric Rudolph and go live in the woods for five years, possibly. Who knows? Possibly. A lot of what he's doing, it's very difficult to, to get some sense out of it and to try to understand what's going on here. You, you have a man who's unraveling here. Yeah. I I feel like we have that conversation a lot when we sit here together, we try and figure out and use logical and common sense to determine what's going on with some of these people. And we have to keep in mind they're way past that for whatever reason, however it happened, whoever did it to them, whatever their life circumstances were, they're way past logical train of thought yeah and like think, we are here right and i don't think that we're ever going to be able to truly say michael kenneth mcclendon did this because of xyz we right. can only speculate and so that's that's kind of what we're doing it seems like the perfect storm of several things mm-hmm. but i fear that he was constantly um thinking and thinking and thinking about who had wronged him his failings, mom is sick. It, it was just a lot of that. And he it's didn't have it. any documented mental health issues? No, not not to speak. It, it seems like we are unraveling yeah. and that we're struggling with, with some stressors. There's some pretty significant triggering events and there's some, some pretty significant stressors. that Maybe if he'd had some mental health intervention, yeah, possibly. That this could have been avoided. Possibly, yeah. but... He obviously never, there's nothing that I can find in my research. Let me say it this way. There's nothing that I could find in my research where he had seen anyone Mm -hmm. or he had um, requested help or anything like that. I think if he's made some goals for himself, he's going into law enforcement or no, he wants to go into the Marines. None of that's panning out. Mm -hmm. Now the person he's living with apparently is sick with lung cancer. I don't even know for sure. If she had lung cancer. Yeah. He just suspected that she did. He's just diagnosed her and and like you said, he Scott, he's played God. He said, I'm gonna just end her suffering and people who have made her also made her suffer are gonna pay. Look, I will always believe that every person on this planet has their own personal breaking point. Mm-hmm. I haven't found mine yet. Obviously, the two you haven't either, or somebody would have stabbed me by now, all the <laughs> trouble that I've caused since we started this podcast. But, I mean, we all have it. Mm-hmm. We just, I haven't pushed I, I believe far. that as well. I believe that. This guy got, his. maybe his wasn't as high as ours or whatever, but he got pushed that far. Maybe it's higher than mine. Mm-hmm. And I've just never had a trauma in my life like this person did. But he got to the end of his, mm-hmm. and he snapped. Mm-hmm. And it seems that he was very focused on all the, the people that wronged him mm-hmm. and all of the things that were going wrong in his in his life. And he was done. We've, I mean, he says here, we've, Mom had su- Mama had suffered enough, and so have I. So it's not 
clear how long he had been planning this attack. But again, he was he had four different guns. He had a lot of ammunition and this could have been a lot bigger than than what it was. Uh the sheriff who is Sheriff Dave Sutton said, "I'm convinced that he was going to kill more people." Yeah, so what I try to count and keep up. Is it 11? There are 11 victims. Okay. Uh, well, there are more victims, but there are 11 deaths. 11 deaths. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I was trying at, to keep up as you mm-hmm. went At through. what point did the police get involved when he started shooting at random people on the sidewalk? Or mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. When they were called to... And, I, and he shoots in this neighborhood. Well, first of all, they're called because there's a fire at his mother's house. Mm-hmm. And then they get calls again because he's shooting in a neighborhood. Got you. And he's because I was thinking he could have kept going if he's just shooting in these people's homes mm-hmm. before people would find you know yeah find just out. a random drive by yes. bang 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 it would take a lot longer to figure out mm-hmm. what's going on there. Mm-hmm. This shooting is a de- uh, was the deadliest attack by a single gunman in uh, Alabama history, and this entire community goes into mourning because, as I've said, this is a very small. Area. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to tell you how close knit and small this area actually was. The mayor of this area, of this little town, coached McClendon in T ball when he was a boy. Mm. And two of the victims, a lady, I'm, I'm going to lay out all of our victims for us. I'm going to tell you everything sure. about them. Right. But two of the victims, um, were the family of one of the sheriff's deputies who was sent to chase McClendon. Didn't even know that his wife and his daughter had been murdered wow. by him. Oh, wow. Um, and so several people in the area knew who he was because, again, it's a very small town. People who went to school with him, high school, whatever, said something had to snap. They're shocked. Okay. As I said, they're generally shocked. Oh, as in something had to snap behavior. because we, would, we never saw this coming. Never saw this coming. Got it. Mm-hmm. Two of the victims, the ones who were related to the sheriff deputy, were actually at the home of his uncle visiting when he came up and shot all so, of them. So they, they Unintended lived, victims. Yeah, they, they lived okay. close to the uncle and were just visiting. Wow. Exactly. So this is a very, you know, very small town, very close-knit town. People know who this is. So <clears throat> I am going to now walk you through the timeline. Mm-hmm. I said I would kind of piece that back together. So I'm going to backtrack, give us a timeline, and then I'm going to go through all of the victims. Mm. So between 3.30 and 4, he kills his mother, Lisa, and the dogs. At the residence, he sets the house on fire. Between 4 and 4.15, he drives the Mitsubishi Eclipse to Samson. He then kills his grandmother, his grandfather, his aunt, and uncle. He kills um, the wife and daughter of the local sheriff's deputy. Um, Another of their children is injured and taken to a medical facility. So he actually had two children and his wife shot there that day, but one of the children survived. Wow. Between 4.15 and 4.30, he has a confrontation with a state trooper while traveling down Highway 52, and the, it shoots at the trooper's vehicle, hits that vehicle about seven times. The trooper suffers only minor injuries. 
between 4.15 and 4.30, he kills two people at random, a woman at the big little store on Highway 52 and a man at the Samson Pipe Supply. From 4.20 to 4.30, he fires shots at random into a Walmart on Highway 52. A local sheriff tries to ram his vehicle, and the sheriff is shot in the shoulder. He's firing through town. He Again, I said he fired at a Piggly Wiggly. Um, around 4.30, he is in the parking lot of the Reliable Products, where he used to work in 2003. He fires at least 30 rounds at law enforcement. This shootout lasts about 30 minutes. He finally enters the building and dies of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So between 3.30 and 4.30 is when all of this chaos happens. Did so he just, kill- just an hour. Just an hour, if that, really, because some reports are saying that they found him at 4.17 p.m. dead. Did he kill anyone else in the reliable products business that he, I mean, maybe at least at that point, they saw him coming, they heard the gunshots, they got out, he went in and I'm, maybe he was looking for someone else to shoot and everybody yeah, was gone and shot was, himself. The sheriff was convinced that he was going there to shoot people. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, because this is a Tuesday, so this is this is normal operating day for businesses, mm-hmm. and I don't know anything about the schedule of this business, but I'll bet he did. But yeah, I'll absolutely. bet he did. Yeah. So this is an interesting side note in response to a request for assistance from the Geneva County Sheriff's Office and the Sampson Police. The United States Army officers ordered federal troops from the nearby Fort Rucker. Okay. Mm-hmm to be deployed to the streets of Samson. So they're asking for help, and they provide that. They manned traffic stops and guarded a makeshift morgue. They got bodies piling up. Mm-hmm. Um, later, an Army investigator determined that this action was in violation of an act which prohibits federal troops from performing domestic law enforcement action. It is. And so the Army took administrative action against at least one officer. Ooh. But what if they're being asked for help? It doesn't matter. They can't give help? There is a law. Is it called the Hatch? I'm, no, it's... What's oh it called? Oh, gosh. It's, it's... It's called something... It's something it's really a, long, but it... Jose Comitatus? Jose Comitatus. Oh, yeah. Comitatus. Po- Latin, yeah. Jose Comitatus. It means that the United States military cannot wield a gun at anyone anywhere where it is United States territory. You are, they are not qualified. They are not allowed. Mm-hmm. It's illegal for anyone other than a sworn law enforcement officer to provide law enforcement, law enforcement to, in the United States. You know, we got the sheriff unless in, the, in the hospital. Martial law. Unless martial law has been declared, which it, it was, was in Phoenix not. City in 1954, which made it legal for the Army to come in yeah, and bust up the, the gambling uh, the yes, Dixie Mafia. go back and listen to the Phoenix, Phoenix City. City episode. But unless... Martial law is declared. They yes. can't, yeah. Okay, so that's, okay, so well, that's that, correct. that helps me to, to sort yeah. of sort that out. So we got the sheriff, though, in the hospital because he's been shot. We've got other law enforcement officers who've been injured. Um, I'm not thinking they have a whole lot on their staff in these tiny, small yeah. areas. I get the request. So I'm thinking they're, I I guess in the they're request. asking for help. Yeah. And Fort Rucker is right there. You guys mm-hmm. have, a, you know, a ton of, Weapons and soldiers and so they they show up and, and, and to get they, them out here on the streets. Right, I get it. Right, so they show up and they manned some traffic stops and like and, and guarded the morgue. But 
someone actually got some action taken against them for this. So I don't know all the odds and ends of that, and we probably never will because yeah. the army will make that their business and yeah, I don't and t- figure that out. I don't but, know if that would have to be the governor or the president who would declare martial law. I, well, I guess we know from Phoenix City the governor could, right? So another side note, uh, the Andalusia radio station WAAOFM organized a fundraising event to benefit the victims' families. So these communities, they're trying to come together, take care of its own. Of course. Their goal is to raise $10,000 with this event. They ended up raising $47,000 in cash plus donations of caskets and concrete vaults for each of the victims, which brought the total value of the donations to more than $100,000. Oh, wow. So this community, I thought that was a wonderful side Yeah, that is. And this was in what county? Geneva County. Geneva County, which uh, is, you said Andalusia, mm-hmm. uh, which means that it's way down in South Alabama. And yes. the only reason I know that is because my college roommate was from Op, mm-hmm. and that was Covington County, mm-hmm. which is right next door, I believe, to Geneva County. So, so, and that's interesting you brought that up because just thinking about that, the, the, child of the officer that survived was actually taken to a hospital in Florida. Okay. This is how close Yeah, it's it right is close to the line. To Florida. Yes. So here are the victims of the Geneva County Massacre. Lisa White McClendon, 52. She was shot in her home in Kinston. That was Michael's mother. Michael's uncle, James Alfred White, 55. He lived in Samson on Pullum Street. He is the former city of Samson employee in charge of water, street, sanitation, and sewer. And he is the brother of Lisa McClendon, and he was shot in his home. His first cousin, Tracy Michelle Wise, 34, who lived down the street on Pullum Street, was the former assistant city clerk and magistrate for the city of Samson. She was the daughter of Alfred White. She was visiting her father when she was shot. His second cousin, Dean James Wise, 15, a ninth grade student at Samson High School and son of Tracy Wise. They were visiting Tracy's father, his grandfather, and they were shot. So he's like 14. He's 15. Okay. The neighbor, Andrea Dawn Myers, age 31. She lived on Pullum Street. She is the wife of Geneva County Sheriff's Deputy Josh Myers, who was involved in the pursuit of McClendon. And again, he didn't know that his wife and child had been shot. Right. They were visiting his uncle, um, James Alfred White, when they were shot. Just another example of how small this community is, much like we have here. I mean, it, it would be uncommon for an off-duty sheriff's deputy to be pulled mm-hmm. in at the parking lot of here chatting with us. Sure. Or with someone else who works in this building. Yes. Uh, deputy Josh Meyer's daughter, Corrine Gracie Myers, and if I, if I said that wrong, I'm sorry, it's C-O-R-I-N-N-E, uh, Gracie Myers, 18-month-old daughter of Andrea and Josh, who was shot there at the house. His grandmother, Virginia E. White, 74, who lived in a trailer uh, on Pullum Street in the yard of her son, Alfred White, she was shot in the doorway of her home. A pedestrian, James Irvin Starling, age 24, of Wise Street, Samson, who was walking south on Wise Street at the time of the shooting, just a few hundred yards from the site of the Pullum Street shooting. He was an employee at Dollar General in Samson. 
Inland customer Sonia Lolly Smith, age 43, killed at the Big Little Inland store on Main Street in Samson. A motorist, Bruce Wilson Malloy, age 51, driving in his vehicle on the State Highway 52 in Samson. He was a welder by trade. And finally, the, the final person to die was our shooter, Michael McClendon, who is 28 at the time. We also have some other injuries. Ella Myers, the three-month-old daughter of Andrea and Josh Myers, at the, she was at the home visiting the Whites on Pullum Street. She was transported to Sacred Heart Hospital in Pensacola, Florida, with a gunshot wound to the growing and she survived the attack. Jeffrey Lynn Nelson, age 50, was on West Main Street traveling in a company vehicle a few blocks from Pullum Street and was shot but survived. Uh, Greg McCullen, 49, was at the Big Little Inland Convenience Store on West Main Street. Mike Gillis, Alabama State Trooper, injured by broken glass after McClendon shot at him while driving on State Highway 52. Frankie Lindsay, Geneva Police Chief, who was shot in the shoulder in front of Walmart in Geneva on State Highway 52. And Ricky Morgan, Geneva Police Department Lieutenant, he, he had minor injuries from flying glass on State Highway 52 in front of the Walmart as well. A bad day. And what a, what a tragic day for, for so many families there. And the people who survived, their lives are changed forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it was important for us to list those victims out so that their names can be heard. We can remember them, and especially those who uh, survived and are having to pick up the pieces and go on with their lives. Um, It's such a a difficult thing to even comprehend, much less talk about. Yeah, it really is. So there really isn't anything for Katie to do because no. there was no legal aspect of this case. No, no trial. No, he ended his life on so. that day. It's a, it's there's no there's just no good happy ending. No good yeah, way to no, tie this up yeah. in a in a nice bow. The only good thing that I can say that came out of this, of course, was the radio station who uh, rallied a community in this community that that really took care of its own and 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 rallied together to to help these families out. I mean, you take this police deputy, for instance, um, he's lost a wife and a child and the other one's had to have all of these surgeries Mm -hmm. from, from an injury. Now he's got to bury a wife and a child and raise a daughter without her mother and raise a daughter without her mother. And, you know, we talked about this previously. Uh, Funerals are not cheap. Mm. Oh no, they're not a lot that goes into it. Oh yeah. And um, too much. So depending for on who you the ask. community to come together and be able to help yeah. with those things. We know that law enforcement in this in this world and our country, they don't get paid a whole whole lot. Right. Not so, enough for the uh uh for the danger that right. they uh have to face. So that's that's very financially trying and, and no telling how much in hospital bills mm-hmm. for that. So I really like the the story of the community coming together, and that and that's what that's what communities do when you are in a town that we're in a small town. We understand this. Yes, it's not to say it doesn't happen in big cities because it does, but we understand if something like this happened here in our town, our community would rally and oh, take care of, of its own. Well, I think a big city is a series of small communities all yes. crammed in together here in Cherokee County and down there in. Um, Geneva, Geneva County, County, there's only that one community. 
You know, there's just there's there's mm-hmm. one, and then it's rural outside of that. A big city's the same way. It's just a bunch of them stacked on top of each other. Yeah, absolutely. If something like that happened, God forbid, mm-hmm. uh, in this community, yeah, we would, yeah, the community would come together. Let's hope to God we never have to find out. Mm-hmm. But I have no doubt that that would happen here. Right. So, and if anybody can find any more about uh, what happened, like with the armed forces and and how that worked out, as far as the uh, the violations and yeah. everything, I'm I'd guessing, love to hear a little more. I'm about guessing that. some guy got relocated to a weather station in Alaska, and they just bumped the next guy up to the top of the yeah. ladder and forgot about it. I, mean, I would love to. He was trying to, to do the right thing. He was yeah. trying to save people's it kinda, lives. It he just seems like they were rally, They were helping. Yeah, he just broke the rules, and you don't do that in the army. No, Maybe he no. didn't understand the rules, you know, well, and you that's know not an excuse. That no. is not an excuse not if you're in the an army. Officer for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if anybody knows any any more about that, I would love to hear about it. And uh, follow us on social media and email us at truecrimeoneasystreet at gmail.com. I think it's time for us to tell people what our social media outlets are. We are on TikTok. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Instagram. Uh, that's the one I always forget. Oh, Instagram. And your social media platform of choice, uh, we're available there. And yep. it's Wednesday as you listen now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll do this again we're gonna do it on Christmas, right? We're not we're not taking a break for the holidays, are we? We don't we don't take the holidays. No breaks yeah. here. Christmas is on a weekend, so we're we're, we're working. Fine. We're good. All right. <laughs> is that it? Are we done? That's it. That's it. Good night, everybody. <laughs>